Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. I'm Bill Arnold, and we are continuing Guy Talk Live. (laughs) If you just joined us, you've missed a very lively hour previous to this, and you can always go to MyFaithRadio.com. Check out the podcast. I hope you do. And if you use the podcast to put yourself to sleep at night, I'm not bothered by that at all. (laughs) Just so you you know, the power panel is Pastors uh, Tom Parrish. Justin Jepson, Tom Brock, and Dr. Peter Kapsner. Gentlemen, welcome to Thank our you. Thanks, Thank you. Thank you. Another half hour. Yeah. We're going to do another half hour, yeah. So g- great questions have come in. Thank you for these. Uh, here's a question. Do you have tips for dealing with the burden of being a sinner every day to balance with joy and peace? <laughs> That's an hour and a half right there. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> Man. Hmm. Well, I, I think it's, it's important to recognize, um, I mean, sinner is not what defines us anymore in Christ. You know, that's why Paul, when he writes, he says, to the saints in Ephesus or in Philippi. And, and so um, I think a reminder every day of your identity in Christ and that your sin no longer defines you and that the sin once separated you from God, Jesus has now separated you from that sin by uniting him to himself. And so um, I think having those those truths that, Honestly, I preach to myself every day and remind myself every day. Um, and then living in the context of community where, where, where we, you can affirm uh, those scriptural truths about one another and call that out in one another and, and encourage and bless each other. And about the only Latin I know is simul justus et peccator, which means simultaneously saint and sinner. And the reformers, the way they understood the scriptures, and I think they're right, I will always be a sinner till the day I die, and I will always be a saint till the day I die. And you have to maintain both, because if you get to the point, well, all, all I am is a sinner, well, then you sin, you know? But if all I am is a saint, then when you do sin, it's like, well, did I lose my salvation? You got to maintain, uh, Paul writing Romans 7, he knew he was a sinner, but then he wrote Romans 8, where he knew he was now having a new life in the Holy Spirit. So there's a balance. Hmm. Yeah, I take a lot of comfort in those early disciples as they were following Jesus. I, they have to spend every day with Jesus. And I think they're a couple years in and they're like, so let me get this straight. Who gets all the power on your left hand and yeah. on your right hand? I mean, they're complete disasters still at this point. And so I think to work through the notion that when you decide to sign up for following Jesus and say yes to following Jesus, I think we often get troubled with the fact that we're still subject to the laws of sin and death in this life. And it's going to impact us. But I think then we go to those places understandably it was well i'm still sinning i must have lost my salvation Mm -hmm. and so there's like this magic line of backsliding to the point where now i don't have salvation anymore and i need to cut no we're living in a world that is still subject to sin and death we're going to wrestle through it but i also take comfort uh from the disciples who did grow in faith and in power and in stature but that growth only comes from the humility of being honest with the fact that we cannot deal with the sin ourselves this is why we need to have a savior and so again i'll go back to something we talked about earlier that that to grow in spiritual maturity and the power of the kingdom is not through greater education and fancy letters and biblical knowledge. All of those things are important, but you really want to go grow in power in the kingdom. 
you grow in power in the kingdom when you realize you're a failed fisherman and you don't have anything about what it takes and, and you, you can't eat. You're so impoverished of the spirit and sin wakes us up to that. And then you start growing in maturity with the humility all at the same time. And I, boy, I can speak to that in my, you know, I've, I've struggled at times for years with a specific thing that I'm like, Oh my gosh, will you please deliver me from this? But I didn't realize how much God was just taking me to that place of impoverishment of spirit that then he has your heart. And then from there, there's some freedom that begins to come. You know, it's interesting because I look at my life, and I'd love to have a day where I don't sin. Uh, my wife would like me to have a day like that, too. <laughs> it runs in the family. The reality is, I've learned over the years, the devil is always there to accuse me. He's always there to point out my flaws. And then I've got plenty of them. What I try to help people do, and what I'm trying to do, is put more emphasis on the shed blood of Jesus, what he's done for me, and keep looking to him over and over. Because I live with this reassurance, and I've said this before, in the throne room of God, no angel ever runs in and goes, guess what Tom Parrish has done? The Lord already knows. There's no surprise. What he wants me to do, though, is turn to him. And the more I turn to him, the better off it is. And I keep doing that. And some things, they aren't prominent anymore in my life that they used to be, especially back in college. Now, it's a different thing. But it's still there to a degree. And that's why I need Jesus mm -hmm. every single day. All right. When Jesus came to bring the new covenant... Did the Jews of that day know that God was a trinity and he was the son of God? Did they think the Messiah would be Jehovah God? I don't think they did. No, now, the demons sure. knew Jesus was the son. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Remember the demoniac? Uh, the yeah, demons don't, knew who Jesus. You don't have to use the demon voice. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Knock it off. Traumatic effect. But, but you know, the, no one did, wants that. Did, here's the deal. Did... Uh, the Jews were expecting a Messiah. They weren't expecting God to become a human being, even though there are Old Testament passages that point to that. I think I don't think the disciples got it till he rose from the dead. And uh, Thomas says, my Lord, and my God, to Jesus. I think that's when the light bulb started going on. And then it was through a process of studying Scripture that the church formulated the doctrine of the Trinity, not that it isn't in the Bible, it is, but it became clearer as, as the church spread. I remember one old pastor uh, that I was studying under, and he made a very good point. He said, when you finally come to realize that Jesus is the entire Old Testament in Israel down to one person, and he fulfilled perfectly in his life what Israel and we never will do, then you've got a glimpse of what the Bible's about. And think about it. How many tribes were there? Twelve. How many disciples? Twelve. I mean, the numbers just keep lining up all the way along. And that is simply the Lord saying, Jesus is saying, look, the issue is not ever Israel. It's not the church in that sense. That's not where your salvation is. Your salvation is always in me. And that's what we need to look to him. And he's throughout the entire scriptures. All right. Why did Jesus refer to himself as son of man more than son of God? Why didn't he reveal his identity more concretely besides the obvious miracles? Well, in fact, he did. Actually, Son of Man was more of a statement of deity than it was of Son of God. Um, so when Jesus talks about Son of Man, he, he's referring back to the, um, to the prophecy in Daniel 7, when one like a Son of Man appears in an Ancient of Days, and it's talking about uh, this, this Messiah figure that's going to come. And so, um, and, you know, in and, he, I think he, we tend to kind of have, the, there's this messianic secret where Jesus mm -hmm. wanted to conceal his identity, to be sure. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and part of, you know, why did Jesus do that? Well, he did 
because he because he wanted to. <laughs> um, but part of that, he he had a mission, and there was a strategy of 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 the ministry and his purpose in the short three years that he had, and then leading and culminating at Calvary. But that that phrase, the Son of Man, um, I would say, if you look through the Gospels, is is just as much um, a statement of deity, if not more, than Son of God. And- and I think he had to hide his messiahship because everybody had the wrong idea of what the Messiah was going to mm-hmm. do. The Messiah is going to get rid of Pontius Pilate and take over Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, remember, Jesus do a miracle and he'd say, now don't tell anybody. Because then they were going to try to make him the political mm-hmm. Messiah. That he, he knew he had to die on the cross. And for that reason, he had to hide things until that mission was accomplished. Mm-hmm. That, that Daniel 7 passage that you referenced, that's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. That, that, the, the scene in which he's talking about that is he's standing on, in trial on trial in front of the Sanhedrin, in front of the religious leaders of the day. And they've just asked them the question, are you the son of the blessed one? Are you son of God? And he answers by this Daniel seven passage, which when you read that passage, it is, you will see one like the son of man descending on the clouds. He's given the keys of heaven and earth. And it's this, this scene actually where it appears in the earthly realm that Jesus is the one that's in trouble. And Jesus is the one that's on trial. And his answer is going to, he is going to matter in terms of the powers of the day. But by using the Daniel seven passage in that moment, he's actually turning the tables and saying, why don't you tell me what you think? Because you're the ones on trial today. Yep. And mm-hmm. so you don't see that in the spiritual yep. realm, but what's going on in the physical, it's this beautiful thing that's happening yeah. as yeah. he's standing it's there. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right before we go to break here, I want to uh, ask Tom Parrish, if you would just offer up a, a word of prayer, not only for everyone who's here today, uh, but we had a couple of people that wanted to be here today. Um, beautiful friend of the ministry uh, named Marilyn, and she almost came all the way from Florida. Mm. Oh. Uh, that's how bad she wanted Maybe to Maybe she here. should bring us to Florida. Got to talk on the beach. It's a rough... The weather outside is frightful, Bill. This, this is the kind of thinking I wish you'd bring to the show. <laughs> <laughs> and also another uh, li- uh, listener named Jim, who was planning on driving from Sioux Falls to be here uh, today, and got word that his uh, dear mother is kind of in her last days. So mm-hmm. if we would uh, pray for the beautiful life that uh, is Marilyn, who is just such an amazing person, and then for Jim's mom. And then we'll go to break. Tom, thank Sounds you. Sounds good. Lord Jesus, thank you that we can gather in this setting today. First of all, we thank you for everyone who's come. Not only the listeners on radio, we always thank you for them, but those that are here today, too. It's fun to get together with other fellow priests, priesthood of all believers, and that's who these people are. Now, put your hand on Marilyn. We thank you that she wanted to be here. She's been a faithful listener for all these years. Lord, bless Marilyn. Let her know how much you love her and the great plans you still have for her, Lord. Put your hand on Jim. He's got family issues with health, and Lord, give him comfort and strength Mm -hmm. at this time. But thank you for Jim and his faithfulness to this ministry and praying for us because, Lord, we need a lot of prayer and wisdom. So we thank you for these people and all others who listen, and may your name be honored in them, Jesus, and in us forever and ever. Amen. All right, you're listening to Guy Talk Live. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we've got a handful of questions that we're going to continue to try to cover. So glad my power panel is here today in in full. We've got the whole squad here today. Mm -hmm. Pastors Tom Brock, Tom Parrish, Justin Jepson, and Dr. something. (laughs) All right. <laughs> well, yeah, something, yeah. I'll remember after the break. We'll be right back. my voice for you have heard my cry. I will sing to the Lord and I will lift my hands for you have 
to the show. Trying to make sure everyone's got their focus. Oh, 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 oh brother. <laughs> you got to tell them what you did, Bill. The people in Radio Land, that they don't know what you me, just brother. did. Yep. That's the price you pay for not coming to God's <laughs> office. I thought Pentecost was happening I was just for a say, second. Holy oh, Spirit, tongues of fire. <laughs> That's totally. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, everyone's kind of awake, though, now. Uh, you know for sure. Yeah. yeah, we are, too. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Tom, we got to do something about those eyebrows. They're over <laughs> I know. I know. They're, they're gone. <laughs> I do a lovely question that came in. What do we make of this now under the new covenant? So that's the, the, uh, the, the pretext of the question. It's how does it apply today? And here's the question. This is out of Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5. A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak, for whatever, uh, who, whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. Mm. Now that's mm. uh, in light of, of today, new covenant. Just jump right in, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's talking about, I, I think that verse is very relevant today. Men should not think they can dress like women and vice versa. It, it differs from time to time. I mean, women here are wearing pants. All right, what, 80 years ago you wouldn't have done that because that was a manly thing. So we're not talking that kind of thing. But if you're purposely uh, look, trying to look like a woman and you're a man, that is not only forbidden in the Old Testament, it's forbidden in the New Testament. Paul says, does not even nature itself tell you that it's uh, a shame for a man to have long hair? And, and so it very unpopular verses, but they're in the book. And boy, do we need to hear them today. Well, I think the problem is, is that we, we need to understand that Jesus no? in the New Testament. Go ahead, Tom. <laughs> Jesus in the New Testament took the whole uh, Old Testament understanding and said, that marriage is the place for sexuality. Marriage is the place for love between one man and one woman. Now remember, Solomon had what, 300 wives and 700 concubines? So we're, we're not pushing that into the present, but it is that. And that is what the issue is today. The issue today of people wanting to cross-dress, be transsexual or whatever thing, is, is not that they just feel that way, because I've worked with a number of these people. There is a defiance against the Lord. There is a defiance against Jesus because he narrows it down to one man and one woman. And a lot of people don't like that. They don't want to be told what to do. And yet, bottom line is, Jesus says that's the way it's to be. And it doesn't mean we don't love these people and reach out to them. Certainly we do. And they have a lot of issues. But in the end, they need to hear the Lord Jesus in their own heart and deal with those issues. My, my least favorite newspaper is the Star Tribune. Did anybody see the Star Tribune article this last week where the teacher of the year has a transgender child who is not a he or a she, the child is a they. And what is, the child was either seven or 11. Oh. And the, 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 the whole article was, this is so wonderful that the parents are letting the child decide what he, she, it is. And it was just, there wasn't a hint that there's another side to this. So we live in a culture that has gone crazy. Mm. Yeah. All right, what does John 16, 23 mean? In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Are we supposed to pray to Jesus? Thank you. Well, the scripture is pretty emphatic that, and this is a, a big argument I have. I hear Christians talk about God all the time. Well, what God are you talking about? Because it's a generic term. You know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, yeah, we can do that. But what does the Bible say? There is power in the name of Jesus. It doesn't say there's just power out there. And so I think as Christians, using Jesus' name in prayer is a perfectly right thing to do. 
Uh, we're also encouraged to pray in his name, you know, and we often tack that on to the end of a prayer. But it's really through our relationship with Jesus that we have access to the Father and to the power of the Holy Spirit and the realities of the kingdom. I think people get asked this question, do I pray to the Father, Son, or Holy Spirit? The answer is yes. You can pray directly to the Father. You can pray directly to Jesus, pray directly to the Holy Spirit. The norm is you pray to God the Father, and then you end, like Tom just said, in Jesus' name. And it kind of bugs me when you hear Christians pray, and then they just say, amen. Well, Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it for you. So I always like to end my prayer in Jesus' name. Yeah, I think that's the beautiful, we're talking about the Trinity and being involved in, in every aspect of our life of faith. You know, and I love the, the, the verse in Ephesians 2, it says, for through him, Christ, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, do I pray to God the Father through God the Spirit in the name of God the Son? That's one way of putting it. But I think sometimes we can try to parse that out and get kind of confused. But it's recognizing that when we're praying, um, you know, in other words, when you're praying by yourself, you're in a prayer meeting with four other persons, mm-hmm. including yeah. yourself. So having that mindset and that vision of prayer, um, it's not as if I'm praying to Jesus and we have a conversation. And then he asks the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit and Father says, hey, what did you guys talk about? You know, and so, <laughs> right. Oh, he said a really funny joke. I'll tell you later. You know, whatever. It's so it's, you know, did the cool fire flame thing like Bill, whatever. Yeah. You know, they're aware. Of, so that idea is that we're actually praying to a triune God. We're entering into that community and into that oneness. And, and so um, Jesus talks about in John 14 that, you know, if you abide in me and you and my word is abide in you, I'm a father and I will come and make our home with you. And so, and then talks about the spirit yeah. being with us, but being in us. And so there's this all of around, it's just, it's all in all. So mm-hmm. I think we mm-hmm. can try to figure out and parse out all the little nitty gritty details. But the reality is we pray to a trying God. Yeah. There's no yeah. jealousy between the father, son, and Holy spirit. <laughs> there's none. They're in total unity. And the reality is when you're a Trinitarian or you believe in God, the father, son, and Holy spirit, when you pray, whether you say father, Jesus, or Holy spirit, they're all getting the message. Yes, That's right. Mm-hmm. All right, here's an interesting uh, question. Interruption to the woman at the well story, John in 427, in between Jesus' proclamation that he's the Messiah and the woman's response to him, we're told no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the question is, why do we need to know what questions no one asked? Kind of a trick question, but... I'm glad I don't have to answer. <laughs> Can you say that last yeah. part again? I'm not sure I followed entirely the, the question. Well, the, the, the verse is, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. Yep. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Mm-hmm. And those questions never got answered. So... Well, he was, okay, let's, let's answer it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Jesus was a Jewish rabbi and, and he did, it, it was not proper, uh, to talk to women. I mean, it was, it was just, yeah, but, but he talked to women all the time. He did, you know, he did, but his disciples context. were maybe on the wrong side on this. And what are you doing talking to a woman? You know, that's what I've always understood it to me. Yeah, I can definitely see that the disciples may have had a misunderstanding mm-hmm. of that, but I think it's fascinating in, in, in Luke chapter 8 that women are called to be followers, to become mm-hmm. functionally disciples. I mean, the, the 12 disciples are functioning on the level of being symbolic of the new Israel, but that didn't mean that they were the only followers right. of mm-hmm. Jesus. There mm-hmm. was all sorts of women that were following as well. And, 
And so I think sometimes we just, we sort of caught in this idea of the 12 that we know, but again, that was just representative of the new Israel that was on the scene. It wasn't representative of the fullness of who could be disciples and followers. And clearly women were following Jesus as well. Isn't it interesting in the New Testament, it never says that the men out of their money supported Jesus. It says the women right. out of their funds supported the ministry of Jesus. Thank you, ladies. Amen. <laughs> we'll be at the door at the yeah. end of the service. <laughs> Spoken like a pastor, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I, just one more maybe quick thought on that, too. I, I had my mind sort of blown up not too long ago about the Mary and Martha story that I think is familiar to some of us. And I'd always heard the Mary and Martha story to be that uh, that Martha was busy in the kitchen doing busy things on behalf of the kingdom. And, and, and Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. And Jesus like, yep. You made the right choice. Hang out with me. Stop being busy, 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 busy for the kingdom. I've heard that sermon like 10,000 times. And then somebody who actually understood ancient Jewish culture and the setting and what was probably going on there is that uh, Jesus was sitting in a part of the house that traditionally only men were supposed to be in as they kicked around things of the kingdom. And all of a sudden, Mary has the gall to cross all of these social lines and go sit at the feet of Jesus. And, and if you were in that time and experienced what sitting at somebody's feet meant, well, Paul sat at the feet of Gamaliel because he wanted to become a student of Gamaliel, uh, functionally a follower, a disciple of Gamaliel. And so when Mary crosses all of those social mm -hmm. boundaries, Martha's scandalized by the whole thing. She can't believe what's going on. And Mary goes to sit at Jesus's feet and Jesus looks at her and says, what? You're right to do so. Yep. Yes, you, have, you are right to do so. You belong right here. And he's upending the, the, the social order in and that he, moment in an appropriate way. And mm -hmm. here's another bad sermon from the Mary and Martha. <laughs> they, There's they, so many bad they, sermons. No, here's another one. Story, yes. Sometimes preachers say, you know, we need Marys and we need Marthas oh, in the oh, church. We need people out. busy in the kitchen, yes. busy doing the work. Oh, it's we need a people. personality and, or giftedness. Uh, issue. No, yeah. And the, yeah. the whole point of that, Martha, sit down. That's that's the whole point of that story is everybody needs to be merry in that yes, story. Sit at the feet of Jesus. Well, yeah. look, who got the first commission after Jesus rose from the dead? The women. It was the women. They, were the, first, they were the first. Go and tell. Yep. 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 They were the first bearers of the good news. You know, these guys uh, never see my computer because I'm always the one working real hard, but I, I should show you. <laughs> I should show you what my computer looks like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you playing a game on the... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, solitaire. You've got to tell people on the radio, what did you show people? Well, it's, my computer is solitaire. I'm there you solitaire. go. <laughs> but these, uh, these gentlemen show up faithfully every week, and they, they get nothing except uh, a Diet Coke. So that's mm. all they get for coming. But thank you so much. <laughs> And it just absolutely warms our hearts that you uh, made mm -hmm. plans to be here today for this Sky Talk Live experience. We've had a blast. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I will uh, sign off in one of my typical ways, which is we've got another half hour coming up. But as far as this group, thank you for coming. And remember, as you lay your head on the pillow, know that God's working out his great plan in your life. Yes. And he loves mm -hmm. you, and so do I. Amen. Yep. We'll take a short break and be right back with more. You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Hey. It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arnold. Welcome back to the show. You know, what does the Bible say about marijuana? Okay. I think I have your attention. Um, 
you know, it's not mentioned really anywhere in the Bible, so we, we better understand what it is and how it would affect anyone who uses it. We also should understand what the Bible says about um, healing, suffering, and what it is to be human. Uh, we've got a lot of um, things to discuss with our guest, Todd Miles. He is a professor of theology at Western Seminary in Portland. He teaches theology, church history, hermeneutics, and ethics. He's written a book called Cannabis and the Christian, What the Bible Says About Marijuana. Todd, welcome. Oh, thanks for having me, Bill. You know, when I think about uh, marijuana, of course, I am thinking about now the recreational use of it, which I've always been against. But then now there's the medical use of it, which for, you know, people who are truly suffering, I'm real curious to find out what we're going to learn from you today. Yeah, and most of the time, uh, medical marijuana makes its way into states before recreational marijuana does. But uh, the truth to tell, that it's there's a strategy involved there, of course. Uh, if, if once a person is is comfortable with the idea of medical marijuana, then it's a, then it's a fairly easy ask to get uh, recreational marijuana legalized as well. I mean. That's just common knowledge. That's what the strategy is. I'm not even like being a conspiracy theorist. It's 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 all out there. Mm-hmm. So let's start by discussing oh, what the Bible doesn't talk about relative to marijuana. It doesn't really mention it. No, no, it doesn't. You know, there's references to weeds and trees, and I suppose pots or pans and that sort of thing, but 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 not the kind that we're talking about. Exactly. Here, of course. Exactly. So. How do you understand uh, the, how the Bible would frame uh, the use of marijuana? I mean, it's a, a plant that grows in the forest, right? You can come That's across right. a marijuana plant and go, oh, wow, this is marijuana. If I knew how to use it, um, I could get some kind of uh, result from it, or relaxation, yeah. high, whatever. I'm not for it. Yeah. I just want to say that again, but yeah. I do want to I want to hear your perspective. Yeah, well... Uh since the Bible doesn't explicitly mention marijuana, then we have to know something about how marijuana works. Um, it, it would be a mistake, I think, to suggest that just because the Bible doesn't say something about a particular topic, that, that there's no spiritual impact or the Lord doesn't care. Right. I, I, I think we'd have to, to, to try to make that case that, that this is like a gray area. Um, and, and, and when we're dealing with an intoxicant, uh, which which is what uh, THC is. That's that's the, that's one of the psychoactive components of of uh, of the cannabis plant. Uh, then it's it, the stakes are raised. Uh, we we would understand that, that since since the Bible has a lot to say about alcohol intoxication, that, that maybe we want to consider um, how marijuana works, uh, what its intoxicating effects are, and and does the Bible speak to that at all? So, okay, I, I like where you're going with this. Please say more. Yeah. So uh, if you look at what the Bible has to say about alcohol, uh, it, it has a lot to say. Uh, and, and it's treated variably. Uh, alcohol is, is celebrated at times in the scriptures. You know, wine makes the heart glad. Uh, wine makes its way into the rituals and rites and, and even the offerings of the uh, of of Israel, um, wine makes its way into the Lord's Supper, which is one of the uh, ordinances of, of the Christian Church. And so, w- we would probably hesitate, I would hope, b- before we just every time we see the word wine or alcohol, we substitute pot. That that would make for some rather odd communion services, I think. <laughs> uh, I agree. Uh, yeah, and and so 
but then we look at, at, at the biblical prohibitions on intoxication. And helpfully, uh, the Lord doesn't just say, don't get drunk because I said so. Uh, the Bible is full of explanation as to why uh, the Lord forbids intoxication by alcohol. Um, and it, it, I categorize those in, in, in three ways. Uh, alcohol Intoxication is, is wrong because it diminishes cognitive abilities, it diminishes physical abilities, and it diminishes moral judgment. And, 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 and all of those things are connected to behavior and, and, and honoring the Lord. And, and so at, at that point, I, I think we can carefully uh, say, uh, wow, uh, the, the, the marijuana high, intoxication through marijuana, demonstrably does all three of those things. And so I think we can take the biblical prohibition on alcohol intoxication and apply that to uh, the, the THC or, or marijuana high. All right. Now, I appreciate that. Thank you for making that parallel. Um, let's talk a little bit about the risks of marijuana use. I know it's uh, we just sort of touched on it a little bit, but, you know, it seems like this is a, a drug that a lot of young kids experiment with and start using, and it's not uh, without severe consequences and uh, risk. Oh, that's that's absolutely the case. And unfortunately, you, you won't hear this kind of information. You won't hear about the risks. Uh, they, they tend to be downplayed by the media. There's a very powerful marijuana lobby. They have a complicit media. They have a very complicit uh, popular culture as well. Um, and so I, I, I think as, as Christians, if, if we're going to evaluate, okay, is, is this something I can do or not do, we would want to understand what those risks are. And uh, we talked a little bit about intoxication. Um, uh, you, you mentioned teen use, uh, which is on the rise by, by, by every uh, measurable that, that I've seen over the last three, four years. Um, this is particularly particularly dangerous because mm -hmm. uh, THC interferes with, with brain development. And this is not the kind of thing that's up for debate. It's, it's, it's not like the, the uh, clinical data is, is unclear. No, this is – I, I, every study that I've seen has shown that THC interferes with brain development. And, and the problem is, is that you don't get it back. Um, and so – if you are a regular user of marijuana and you're in your teenage years or even for guys in your early 20s because, because the male brain isn't fully developed until about age 26, 27, 28, sometime around there, uh, THC will interfere with that brain development and, and you've lost it. Hmm. It's, it's not like you sober up and then your brain catches up. It, it doesn't do that. It doesn't work that way. Wow, that's very interesting. Uh, Todd Miles is my guest. We're talking about cannabis and the Christian, what the Bible says about marijuana. Let's, of course, talk about uh, the law. Now it's legal in some states. So let's talk about how the Christian is going to look upon this regarding the law. Yeah, well, uh, of course, just because something is against the law, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily wrong. Um, just because the law 
uh, doesn't prohibit something doesn't mean that it's necessarily right. There's all sorts of biblical examples where, where you know, kings or tyrants would command something, and 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 the followers of the Lord would, would have to say, I, I can't, I can't obey you in that. Uh, much bigger category would would be all the things that the law does not uh, prohibit. Civil civil law does not prohibit. Uh, that, that are that are obviously wrong, and and there, there's a whole bunch of things that I don't want the government uh, prosecuting, right? Uh, that, that are clearly sinful, like like lust or or gluttony, right? Uh, th- these are clearly sinful things that 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 I don't want the government prosecuting. But just because the government doesn't prosecute them, just because the, the government doesn't outlaw them, that doesn't mean that they're okay. And so we really can't, as Christians, just look to civil law as a reliable guide for what's right or wrong in the Lord's sight. We have to, you know, dare I say it, think like Christians for a change. And maybe one of the helpful aspects of of this push to legalize marijuana is because it has a bit of a stigma associated with it, a a lot of Christians are, are, are waking up to this reality that Wow, uh, just because something is legal doesn't necessarily mean it's okay. Yeah, it seems we always want to change the way we feel, whether it's with food or exercise or whatever. We're looking for ways to change the way we feel. This is something that it seems a lot of people have gravitated to using. Um, and it's uh, we can change the way we feel by entering the throne throne room of heaven and petitioning the king of kings yeah amen yeah amen and uh, you know mind-altering drugs are are um well they they, they obviously come with risks so we, I, I talked a little bit about the brain development uh study after study after study are are, are linking um thc and, and and regular marijuana use uh with uh, earlier onset of mental illness um, some studies are, are suggesting that, that, that there, there may be a causal aspect to this. Um, and, and so, you know, just I, I, I think it's worth just shooting a warning out there right now that, that, that if you have any, any uh, genetic predisposition towards mental illness, if, if mental illness runs in your family, it, stay away from cannabis. Stay away from cannabis. But um, you won't necessarily hear that because uh, people think, wow, you know, that marijuana is good uh, because it mellows you out. It's harmless. It's not addictive. Of course, that's not true either. Marijuana is demonstrably addictive. It's, it's not as addictive as, as many things like opioids or even nicotine, uh, but not as addictive doesn't mean not addictive. And, and so uh, oftentimes a lot of people are, are, are turning to something that they feel is, is relatively safe because that's the, the message of the culture, um, and they are actually endangering themselves or perhaps even exacerbating um, the problem that they're seeking to alleviate. So, Todd, if you can, um, talk a little bit about the difference between medical marijuana and obviously recreational, there's different ingredients in one. Is the medical ha- have a different um, formula or is it the same? No, no, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the only difference is, I guess, the intended use behind it. Okay. Uh, it, if, if you have in the States where medical marijuana is legal, you have a medical marijuana card, you'll stand in the same line with all the recreational users and you will buy from the same batches and, and, and all that. Um, there's, I, I mean, marijuana is marijuana. Okay. Um, 
there, there's no different kind. Now, there, there's different components uh, to the cannabis plant, and, 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 and breeders or cultivators will, will seek to either, you know, uh, maximize THC content or maybe CBD content as well. Um, but, but, yeah, there's, there's no difference between recreational – well, there's no difference in the, the, the substance itself. Um, one person could could have a joint, I, I suppose, who's who's smoking that one joint to get high, and another person could could grab it and say, "Hi, I, I need this medically." Um, that that sounds a little weird, but I, but that's the point I'm trying to make is that it's really the same substance. Mm-hmm. Todd Miles is my guest. We're talking about his book, Cannabis and the Christian: What the Bible Says About Marijuana. We'll take a little break. We'll be right back. You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. We're back with Todd Mills. He's written a book called Cannabis and the Christian, what the Bible says about marijuana. Todd, in Chapter 7, you open up pretty personally about uh, the struggle your wife went through with her cancer diagnosis and some of the psychoactive drugs she took and she was practically out of her mind it sounded like Uh, I would love for you to share uh, a little bit of that if you don't mind yeah well uh, so my wife was was diagnosed with cancer a a couple years ago um, surgeries and and chemotherapy and radiation and 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 of course one of the uh, uh, nasty side effects of the chemotherapy is is intense nausea and, and you know I it's probably a familiar refrain for families who've dealt with with cancer before, but um, man, I've never seen anyone as sick as my wife was uh, during that time. And um, uh, we had we had uh, uh, joked with her about uh, um, you know using medical marijuana to alleviate her nausea because because THC uh, that's one of the psychoactive components of uh, of the cannabis plant. Uh, both increases appetite, which is really helpful for people who <laughs> who are struggling with chemotherapy, and it also reduces nausea. And the FDA has has approved some medications where they have isolated the THC, and it's in pill form. It, it, you know, there's at least a couple forms of that. Um, but but a lot of people just go to a, a marijuana dispensary and and, uh, and 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 buy some pot, and and it would be a medical use of, of marijuana. And we had joked with her about that beforehand, but. Boy, when she was so sick, suddenly it wasn't a joking matter anymore. Now we didn't uh, resort to that because the doctors were able to prescribe her uh, medications that got her nausea under control. Uh, but those drugs were were deeply psychoactive. Um, and uh, one of the one of the conclusions that I came from is that I, I I don't see a morally significant difference between psychoactive drugs. Um, uh, you know, the drugs that my wife was prescribed that got her suffering under control, which was an incredible blessing, uh, versus if if she had been prescribed a THC-based drug, um, that if if that would have worked for her nausea, we'd have been super grateful. Um, the, the drugs she used were mind-altering. THC is also mind-altering. I, I'm not sure there's a morally significant difference between those two. Uh, so that was one of the lessons I learned. I, I, we, we also learned from this. Uh, that that suffering itself is mind altering. Um, you know, uh, that I, I write at length uh, both in the re- recreational marijuana chapters, but also in the medical 
um, just about the importance of clear thinking for the disciple of Jesus Christ, uh, being able to take our thoughts captive in obedience to Jesus, honoring the Lord with our thinking, and, and in times of chronic suffering, or, I'm sorry, acute suffering, acute suffering, um, I, I, I have no issue with people taking a mind-altering drug to find uh, alleviation because suffering itself is mind-altering. Um, and, you know, I, I think we might want to think twice uh, and give careful consideration to whether we want to take mind-altering drugs for chronic suffering, uh, but, but for acute suffering, certainly. Um, those are just a couple uh, lessons that I learned from, from my wife's experience. Mm-hmm. Todd, how do Christians uh, kind of wade through all the claims made by marijuana advocates? Uh, I think, you know, just with a... A, a, a healthy suspicion that, that we ought to have every time we see an advertisement for anything on television, that, that advertisers and advocates have a, a vested interest in, in getting you to buy their content or, or their, 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 their product. And, and truth is uh, oftentimes elusive when, in that quest to get people to buy product. Um, when it comes to the, the, the marijuana industry and, and, and all of the wonderful benefits of, of the medical use for cannabis, I, I think we, we need to understand that, that the clinical evidence is way behind the claims, and, and the claims are, are even uh, greater than a lot of the anecdotal evidence as well. Um, but, but certainly the, the clinical evidence is behind all the anecdotal evidence, and, and you will hear people talk about marijuana as though it is just a panacea, it cures everything. And um, my, my my doctor or my, my med school student sons both tell me if something claims to be a panacea, it, it probably cures nothing. Um, now, that's not the case with cannabis. Uh, it, it does have some proven medical benefits that I think we should be deeply grateful for. I suspect more and more medical benefits will be discovered because the cannabis plant is just highly complex. Uh, but so, for, for example, CBD, which is another component, a non-intoxicating component of the of the cannabis plant, um, has has been very helpful in in reducing the the number and the intensity of seizures in some really nasty childhood epilepsy uh, illnesses. Um, and, and I think we should be grateful for that. And so, th- there are medical benefits, but um, I'm I'm always wanting to understand what is the actual clinical evidence uh, for this uh, versus just the, the anecdotal evidence. Um, because I, I, I mean, my, my inbox is, is full of people who've emailed me following, you know, either reading the books or the magazines or the, my listen to podcasts or radio, whatever that, that I've done, uh, that, you know, marijuana cured my dad of cancer. Um, and it's like, man, I, I wish that were true. <laughs> I, I, I wish that were true. Uh, there's just no cl- clinical evidence for that. Mm-hmm. Parkinson's, no, no clinical evidence. Um, uh, it's just all sorts of claims are made, um, but the clinical evidence for it is way, way behind. So, Todd, how do you react to, or how would Christians uh, react to people in our families or people we know at church or friends who just swear by its use? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think we should listen to them because, because just to, just because it's an anecdotal uh, piece of evidence, it doesn't mean it's necessarily false, right? Uh, people's testimonies count. Um, 
but 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 also uh, just be be educated on on how cannabis actually works. Uh, read up on uh, the the potential risks, or, or well, I guess they're not potential risks, the, the real risks uh, of of cannabis use, and and there are a number uh, of them. We've we've highlighted just a few of them. Um, uh, be concerned about our brothers and sisters in Christ, because we're fellow learners, you know, we're, we're fellow disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're, we're to be encouraging one another towards love and good deeds and uh, encouraging one another to, to guard our, our life and, and our doctrine, our, our, our thinking, and um, and understand what, what the Bible has to say about things like addiction, addiction. Um, uh, is there a place for a mind-altering drug in the life of a Christian? It's it's not evident to me, um, you know. And of course, alcohol is is mind-altering. Um, it, it's intoxicating, but but the Bible gives us limits on that, doesn't it? Um, caffeine, I suppose, is is mind-altering as well. It, it's it's psychoactive, um, but typically not in a deleterious way. Uh, we. Uh, most people are more alert, at least for a while, when they're using caffeine. And so, um, understanding what the, the 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 potential benefits, the the real risks, and and then thinking about just the, the life of discipleship. And and in the book, I really try to frame things in terms of wisdom and discipleship. I'm I, I'm I am really hesitant to call something a sin that the Bible doesn't explicitly call a sin. I want to be very careful not to bind someone's conscience where where the Lord might not have done that. Uh, I'm pretty happy, or I I, I feel strongly that I can say uh, marijuana intoxication is a sin. Um, But then some of the other medical uses where where people are self-medicating, either for anxiety or ADHD, uh, you know, I I think we should come alongside people and uh, listen to them, and and then. delve perhaps a bit deeper into why a person might be experiencing anxiety. Um, are there any alternative routes? Is there something that is a, a, a bigger a core issue uh, that, that should be dealt with instead of just masking the symptoms with a mind-altering drug? Um, yeah, I, I, I guess there's a few ideas. I appreciate that. And I know uh, when you are alongside someone who's suffering, and if it's chronic pain in particular, your heart is broken all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Chronic, chronic pain. It's, it's, it's brutal. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're in the middle right now of an opioid addiction epidemic. Um, uh, things are getting a little better on that front, but, but a little better from what was an absolutely abominable state is, is not all that great. And, you know, we need to, uh, we need to figure out what we're doing with with opioids, um, and and most most Christians who are addicted to opioids, they they didn't get addicted because they were you know out on the street corner scrounging for the next high. They were probably prescribed that by a doctor that they trusted, um, and they were trying to to deal with with very real uh, chronic or acute pain. And opioids are great for pain. They work. Mm-hmm. Uh, they work. Um, but the, the fallout of that is that 
now we have this opioid addiction epidemic, and, and many of those who are addicted are, 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 are followers of Jesus who are now enslaved to a mind-altering drug. Um, there, there's got to be a better way. Maybe, maybe one of the silver linings of, of this whole medical marijuana uh, thrust is that because there's a stigma attached with marijuana, uh, people are going, well, you know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't use this. Um, I, I think that's an oak, a good question to ask or some, some good thoughts. Maybe we should have been thinking that way about opioids, too. Yeah. Todd, we just have a minute left. Most of the uh, emails you're getting and responses from the book, are they nice, kind, or angry? They're, they're all over the place. I, I've, I've gotten used to that. Um, okay. You know, I just know that, that, that I'm talking about an issue that's, that's contentious yeah. in the, the, the culture. And typically when I go to churches and talk, I... I get two lines of people. Uh, uh, there's a line of people who are really frustrated that I just didn't come straight out and say, oh, you know, marijuana is the devil's lettuce. And, and, right. and if you even <laughs> smell some secondhand, you're a sinner. And then I get a bunch of people who are angry that I was just too critical as well. And yeah. I, I figure as long as I'm not pleasing anybody that, that maybe I'm doing something right. Yeah. I don't know. Todd, thank you so much for doing the show. Nice to have you on. It was great to be with you, Bill. Thank Thanks you. so much. You bet. Todd Miles has been my guest, Cannabis and the Christian, What the Bible Says About Marijuana. We'll take a short break and we'll be right back with lots more. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.